everyone. My name is Allison, and I'm the McGill International Review's Editor-in-Chief. My name is Theodora, and I'm the MIR's Managing Editor, and welcome to the Editor's Desk. This is MIR's podcast series, where we invite our editorial team to bring kitchen table conversations and current hot topics to the Editor's Desk. So our first episode is going to be about Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift's relationship, which has taken over the media and our hearts. My position on this is as a former diehard Swifty and now maybe a reformed, more moderate Swifty. For me, I have to say that when it comes to American football, I'm not the most informed, but I was definitely into Taylor Swift's music in high school. So I'm looking forward to learning a lot from you guys. Hi, everyone. I'm Anya. I'm a senior editor with the MIR. I guess I'm the first one to be on the football side. I'm a diehard Eagles fan, big Jason Kelsey fan, less so Travis Kelsey fan. Um, not much of a Swifty, but I have a lot of thoughts on Swifties and Miss Taylor Swift herself. And I'm Zach. I'm also a senior editor, and I'm also coming to this from uh, more of a football side. I'm a diehard 49ers fan, have been my whole life, and I don't know anything about Taylor Swift. Okay, so Anna, in our introductions, I didn't know you weren't a Swifty. I have my thoughts and opinions on Taylor Swift. I think she makes good music. I think she's a hard worker and she's a great businesswoman, I think, more than that. I think she knows her fan base are diehard fans who are extremely involved in her personal life and more than just her music. And I think she really capitalizes on that, which I think is smart. But I think my biggest qualm with this Taylor Swift fandom and the Swifties is that I think they're overly involved and invested in Taylor Swift's personal life, especially her dating life. For example, you know, I've seen so many videos on my TikTok where they're like, Travis is Taylor's 13th boyfriend. This is the one they're going to get married and seeing like videos of Travis and Taylor's imaginary wedding when they've been dating for like two months. And I think it just like goes to show, you know, the kind of like fan base she's culminated. And to me, I find it a little strange. I think it's weird the fact that people are so involved and invested in her like love life specifically. But then also you have people who hate on Taylor Swift and are very anti-feminist and misogynistic. And then you'll see people kind of slut shame her, which I think is also really interesting. But I don't, I think that part of this like obsession with her relationships is the fact that she does write about them and she is very public with them. I don't think there's like a massive invasion of privacy on that end. And I'm not sure that like the argument that it's annoying that her fans care this much about her relationships is particularly like not anti-feminist. Like I do think that a big part of her music, the fact that she publicizes them and that's how she markets a lot of her albums is like related to her relationships. And the fact that the Swifties have a lot of fun coming up with these like conspiracy theories and like trying to figure out, like for example, the number 13 and the obsession with it. I think that just adds to like the fan, like the fandom and the fun of it. I I think it's really important to like dissociate the artist from the music in this sense. Like, I think a lot of people who enjoy Taylor Swift music are less willing to voice their enthusiasm about it just because of the connotations that being part of the Swifty fandom brings. And I I really think that branding of the fandom has been very much overtaken by the diehard fans. Um, and that's why a lot of people are distancing themselves from this phenomenon, even if they are like somewhat interested in her music. And I do think that this has somewhat of an impact on Taylor Swift's reputation as an artist as well, even though this is something that is mostly or at least somewhat beyond her control. Yeah, I think the diehard fandom is really what's put a lot of people off from associating or labeling themselves as Taylor Swift fans. 
Because also you see a lot of her fans who hate on her like exes and really trash talk like Joe Owen, like Harry Styles, Taylor Lautner, Joe Jonas, all these people. And it's like, you don't know what was going on with that relationship. You don't know what happened between no one is trash talking Taylor Lautner. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, you know what I you know the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. I've seen so much slander on Joe Alwyn, but they don't really they don't know this guy, right? They don't like yeah. know this like small actor or like, you know, people who are uh judging and commenting on Harry and Taylor's relationship. People break up, people date. Like that's how the world works. I think a lot of Swifties have become really intense on defending their queen, Taylor Swift, but really it just becomes, I think like quite extreme. I just don't think that this is like the main characterization of Swifties. Like speaking as probably a more moderate Swiftie myself, <laughs> like I definitely think I would consider myself a diehard fan. I've been listening to her music since I was like, I don't know, six or something. The first time, the first album she would have come out with that I was alive for or like conscious for. I feel like, you know, a lot of people are major Swifties and still are happy to say that they're Swifties and proud to be part of the fandom without being the conspiracy, like 13 year olds who are on Tumblr or on TikTok, like, I'm not sure that that is the, the vast majority of Swifties. And I also think that we should talk about, you know, the, the middle ground on both sides. If we're talking about some of the football fans and those who might be angry about Taylor's spotlight in the NFL, like, we don't have to focus every time on the worst of each sides. I, I think that's fair, but I would be curious, Zach, as someone who's fairly distant from the Taylor world, um, like, what is your perception of Swifties or, like, the people who follow Taylor Swift? There's a large perception, I think, and speaking my speaking only for myself, of people who are so, so diehard and so diehard. But Taylor Swift's very universal. I don't know anything about her. I don't know anything about her personal life until Travis Kelsey. I still could probably sing half her songs. She has this universal impact to people, especially in, like, call it white, middle-class North America. She connects to them, all of them, including me. So... I think she has this impact that transcends maybe those diehards or those crazy people and goes beyond. And that connects to the NFL where it's, yes, there are these insane Swifties who maybe she is bringing to the NFL or she's exposing to. But there are also people who simply like to listen to her music, simply know her as a pop figure. They don't know anything about her, but they know that she carries some cultural weight. I think it's important to kind of bring up the, Zaki, like mentioned the demographic that she appeals to being mm -hmm. like, middle-class America. I think, I feel like football appeals to different um, kind of demographic, de demographics in the U.S. But I think one commonality between the demographics of Taylor Swift and football fans is white America specifically. I think first starting off with Taylor Swift, I think a lot of her fans are upper middle class, like are upper class white Americans. And same with football fans, a lot of them are white. And I think the reason like the whole Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey uh, relationship is blowing up is because they kind of embody that like American ideal, that American dream. They're both good looking. They're both highly successful, widely the best in what they do, right? She's one of the best pop figures. Uh, he's one of the best football players. They kind of embody that like American standard and like that couple that everyone can kind of swoon over and bond over but i think it's specifically largely like their relationship caters to white america they're the all-american couple really yeah I think. like the fact that <clears throat> taylor Swift's documentary is miss americana and she's dating the football star and you know in reference to her own lyrics she should have overcome her dream <laughs> of dating the football star <laughs> i think we know for a fact here that this is like 
a very marketable relationship, which I think would be an interesting thing for us to delve into a little bit. Just whether we think this is a PR relationship. I'm curious mm. to hear what people think. That's a good question. Whether or not it's a PR relationship, there is a PR component to it for sure. Roger Goodell couldn't tell you a single thing about his relationship with music before, but now he's championing Taylor Swift. The NFL promoted Taylor Swift's movie. I mean, I think there's a lot of these, like, I definitely agree with that, that, like, a lot of this is, like, manipulated in the way how it gets out. I don't know, like, what's at the bottom of this is, like, like, authentic or not. I think there are certain, there's evidence uh, going in both ways, but what I'm most curious about is, like, I had no idea who Travis Kelsey was before this whole thing. Mm-hmm. How much of a like star within the football world was he before this? Or is he just a star for people outside of football, but he's just any other football player? Football player. I would say he's a, he's a huge star like huge. in the football. I Definitely before all of this. Uh, you know, he's won Super Bowls. He's one of like the best. He's, he's great, honestly. Um, and then he's a huge star in the football world. And now this, uh, him dating Taylor Swift has made him, I think, a star outside of the football world as well, too, and in mainstream media, you know? Mm-hmm. But speaking on if I think it's a PR relationship, I think at the core of it, I think it's authentic. I think that, you know, there are two people dating each other. Are they going to, like, get married and, like, have babies? And, like, is this going to be the most serious relationship for the both of them? That, I don't know. It could just be they're enjoying themselves and having fun. But there's definitely a huge PR component, like... You know, uh, Allison, you shared the videos, uh, Karma is the guy on the Chiefs that's been blowing up everywhere, right? That's obviously a PR media move, knowing all, what, 20, 30,000 girls in the stadium are going to freak out. 70,000, sorry, 70,000 girls in the stadium are going to freak out and look at Travis Kelsey and it's going to blow up on TikTok, right? So I think, yeah. Yeah, I think the one piece that makes me think that you know, the PR is just an added component is that I don't think that necessarily either of them needed this. Like, I think a big part of what we're hearing here is that, you know, Travis Kelsey was a star in his own right. And Taylor obviously is an international superstar. Like there's no real competition or like, you know, anyone putting anyone on the map, (laughs) as one might say. Um, But I think a more interesting thing here would be the discussion of like the obsession with Taylor from the NFL perspective, right? Like there, I think there's a lot of backlash and criticism from football fans who might belong to that demographic of that doesn't cross over with Taylor Swift. And I, I'm curious to hear like more about that. Like what is really the thing that they're so upset about in terms of Taylor getting all the limelight? I mean, other than just like the fact that she's a woman. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> who, who knows? I can't understand that. I, I, I get it. I think it's these hyper-masculine white men they see Taylor Swift as someone who's ultra feminine. So I think it's one like an issue with her femininity and just really embracing that. And I think she's very outspoken on like a lot of for a for a singer, you know, she speaks out on how she's very pro LGBT. Um, she's very like a lot of her music, a lot of like women, a lot of young girls especially see her music as being like quite feminist. And for a lot of I think for a lot of like young girls, she is a feminist icon, right? And I think for uh, Allison's raising her hand, she's a feminist icon for Allison, right? There you go. And I think um, they, I think also people have recently been hating on my man, Travis Kelsey, because he appeared in a Bud Light and Pfizer commercial. And Bud Light, obviously, Dylan Mulaney, um, a trans woman. Um, so Bud Light's kind of come out as being like trans inclusive I guess I don't know if it's like trans inclusive or like generally okay with trans people and obviously Pfizer being pro-vaccination I think a lot of um 
football fans like started having an issue with that and now with Travis Kelsey who's their like man crush and they're obsessed with and see him as being this super hyper masculine dude who plays football dating this like very feminine pro LGBT pro women pro diversity ish singer (laughs) I think that's like a lot of men are like you know he could do so much better and I think for for them they see Travis Kelsey's ideal partner being a good like little stay-at-home wife who maybe isn't in the limelight who who isn't more popular and successful than trap than travis kelsey right because taylor swift is an international icon whereas travis kelsey's an american icon the first thing that i'm surprised with by that comment is i think that taylor swift despite being very hyper feminine is also like kind of the dream girl for a lot of people a lot of guys who would be watching football i mean she's blonde she's tall she's blue eyes she's pretty much like you know about as all-american girl next door as you can get so I'm surprised that if that's like the line of reasoning that that's what they'd be so upset about. I think it's more that the idea is in order for us to have more fans, we have to like capitalize off of someone's relationship. That's that's what's bothering them. I think I hear a lot of the same discourse from like people who watch F1 who are angry mm-hmm. that, you know, we care so much about some of the young F1 stars. They're hot and like girls are watching F1 now only because of it. It's somehow going to water down like the real fans of the sport. I think that might be part of it. But the other thing I thought was interesting here is I think as a Swiftie, probably my biggest issue with Taylor Swift is that she's a huge, like, you know, to me, this white feminist icon in terms of, I mean, cat eyes sharp enough to kill a man. Like, this is not real feminism to me. And I feel like for the vast majority of people who are within, like, the, you know, liberal feminist mindset who love Taylor Swift often find it very easy to criticize her for not being legitimately feminist or, you know, being feminist to the extent that it works for her marketing. So I'm surprised that you think that there's that much of a conflict between the two, because I think from my perspective, between football and Taylor, there's a lot of good overlap in white America and they all really tend to agree. And that's why I'm so surprised by the you know anger that Taylor was being marketed by the NFL. I mean I see some to some extent like how like a lot more Taylor Swift fans are willing to, I think, engage with football than football fans willing to engage with Taylor Swift, I think. Yeah. So, like, more Taylor Swift fans are now buying co- uh, football tickets just so that they can go see her in the stands. You're not going to see uh, football. Like, I don't, I, I mean, I haven't seen it. There's a lot of evidence of football fans buying Taylor Swift concert tickets. I mean, of, of course, it's really difficult to buy in the first place. But I think otherwise, they probably wouldn't be buying it as well. And I think this has a lot to do with, like, the football is about more than... Uh, one person but being a Swifty like the people who are Swifties are Swifties because of Taylor Swift people who are into football not necessarily into football because of Travis Kelsey so like I, I and I don't think we could make like the music to football comparison but this is like a football and Taylor Swift comparison where one of them is centered around an individ, individual while the other one is only centered around like uh, around the sport in general and I think like that influences dynamics as well on top of these like masculinity versus femininity kind of dynamics as well uh, I, I think there's a bit of that, that like Taylor Swift, I, I wouldn't maybe go as far as calling it a personality cult, but there's definitely like one individual at the center of this. And that, that's not just not the case for football. I'd like to connect kind of what you said, push back a little bit, or connect what you said to what Allison said and push back on it too, because I think that it's not just this white America that football fans and Swifties are kind of in the same vein. They're really not. You can segment it, especially by gender. Uh, a study estimated that 53% of American adults, both genders, more than half, this definitely includes some men, are Swifties, or fans of Swift, listen to her regularly. 
against the gay men that are the fans of Swift. I'll tell you that right now. But they've also, about 17 million people tune into every single game. The Super Bowl gets almost a quarter of a billion views every single year. So there is some overlap there. And I think the idea that somehow there is a large proportion or even any statistically significant proportion of people who are against Taylor Swift associating with the NFL is wrong. Like, of course, there's a vocal minority. We can all hear them. We can all see them. But I think there is a, I hate to say the term silent majority, but there is a silent majority of people like myself who will listen to Taylor Swift aren't necessarily Swifties, but still religiously watch football or people who maybe watch a little bit of football, but are religiously Swifties. Yeah, I, I do think that this is mostly a conflict between the extremes on, on, on both sides a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, like when we were talking at the beginning about like hardcore Swifty fans, like they are like they are obviously not the majority of people who listen to Taylor Swift, but they're definitely the loudest component out in like the media of like people who vo- voice their support for her. But the, they're not angry about Travis Kelsey. I mean, they're incredibly happy about this relationship. And I think to add to what Zach was saying there, like I think that we also forget that despite Taylor's more recent shift to being like very pro LGBT, like more vocally political, she used to be like a country music star. She started off in Nashville. Like there are a lot of just white American men who do listen to Taylor Swift, even if it's just for their daughters to play on the radio. I think at the end of the day, like she is still selling to, you know, conservative white America as well, an image of herself that is still acceptable to them, even if she is politically becoming more vocal about certain things. She still considers herself to be like, very Christian-raised, Tennessee-value girl. At the same time, though, you know, her image right now is, I think, very glamorous. It is very much still... It's now become, like, high fashion, glamorous, this, you know, big pop star. So you can start off as one thing being this good old country girl, but I think she's definitely transitioned into that, you know, more glamorous pop style. And I think that's, like, kind of what a lot of people see her as now. And I think it fits into their idea of the American dream. Like, I don't think that that's at odds with them being a fan of yeah. her. I think it's the idea that she did grow up on, like, a random farm in Pennsylvania, and she started off in Nashville, and now she's an international pop star. That makes, like, conservative America actually still pretty much adore her, despite her, you know, slightly more... <laughs> slightly more progressive. Slightly more progressive views, which, yeah, we can get into that another time. I find that interesting, too, with how the NFL tries to be strictly apolitical. Strictly, strictly apolitical. Mm. And like compared to other sports leagues, even too, they do not touch anything like a pride night. They have military appreciation, of course, but that's not a political question. Every other event that they could do that would be political, the NFL will not touch with a 10-foot pole. So they're kind of playing to both. They're being strategically ambiguous in this way. They're playing to both sides in a way so that they don't annoy or not that they would ever lose, but they don't risk pushing away anyone. Mm-hmm. And that kind of ties into how they are trying to include everybody without explicitly including everybody. So the NFL could be promoting this so hard, uh, their association with Taylor Swift so hard, because they do want to reach out to women. But I think like you were saying, Allison, it's not necessarily this huge dichotomy. There's such an overlap there. But um, I'd like to connect this with something the University of Wisconsin did in 2014, where they went to the Philadelphia Eagles preseason games and training camps. And they found that of the 200 women out of the over 4,000 people who attended that went there, most of them were married, most of them had children, and most of them were there with their sons. So there's not this overlap. And the NFL could be, by their association Taylor Swift, trying to associate to those young girls 
who wouldn't otherwise associate with the NFL, like you said, Teo, unless they had a push. I think young girls are also just like the easiest way to make money in terms of fandom. Yeah. They're the most obsessed. They're the most willing to convince their parents to buy them things. Yeah. And that always is going to be a huge, like marketable thing for them. But that makes me wonder, like, there's a lot of discourse, at least within the Swifty community, about the fact that Taylor has never done a Super Bowl. And I wonder what your thoughts are on this, because part of this is the way that I would imagine Taylor Swift doing the Super Bowl if she were to do it this year. First of all, would be a crazy move given the relationship. But also, like, I'm imagining Lover playing, or me playing, at the Super Bowl. It's going to be rainbow, it's going to be sparkle, it's going to be sequins. And I'm just wondering, like, would the Super Bowl look like be happy to look like this like i don't know what super bowl halftime shows have looked like in the past but i feel like a lot of the time they've been you know at least underlyingly progressive in their marketing halftime shows are shows in the corning you know they have to obviously be very very popular so people will tune in they have to have a certain music genre so you know mainstream pop things that people listen to you're not going to have like the 1975 play at the Super Bowl halftime show. And they have to have like high performance value. So obviously Taylor Swift meets that criteria. And they, they have had like Katy Perry and Katy Perry had quite a, you know, fun, like I loved her halftime show. So I could totally see Taylor Swift doing a halftime show. And I don't think it'd be all that crazy. I think a lot of people would tune in. Swifties and non-Swifties and people just interested in pop music, people who love the halftime show. And I think she'd bring that like, performance value and that glamour, I think it'd be totally well-received. I think maybe just her time to perform hasn't come yet, but... And what would you say Taylor Swift would get out of performing at the Super Bowl? Because she can definitely... She has the kind of popularity already to, like, turn this down. Like, she doesn't need this. Yeah, I, I think it's... Beyonce didn't need to perform at the halftime show. I think Prince performed at the halftime show. He didn't need to perform. Um, it's that monumental mark, like, in your career. I performed mm -hmm. the Super Bowl halftime show. It's, you know... It's a, a sign that, you know, you've reached a certain point in your career and you're appealing to this like American population. And I think that's what it is, right? It's not it's not always about the money or the popularity or about the fame. She has the money, popularity and fame. But I think it's about that, you know, that mark in your career that you've like achieved something so many, so many artists would want to. So Allison, why do you think people are so obsessed with this relationship? Why do you think girls are okay. so obsessed with this relationship. So I'll give the Swifty perspective and then I'll also talk about my perspective because it's a yeah. little bit different. I think from the Swifty fandom perspective, there are a couple of things. The first is like, we've been in a drought for relationship drama from Taylor. Like while she was dating Joe Alwyn, they were both very vocal about the fact that they were very private. There was a lot of discourse about how, you know, they were together for this amount of time, but there was never a ring on the finger. The fact that Joe would always publicly make it really obvious that he didn't want to talk about his association with Taylor, despite the fact that they've been dating for like six years. I think Swifties feel like this is the moment that we've been waiting for, for Taylor to be dating someone who's proud to be dating her, who doesn't feel threatened by the fact that she's more famous, more successful. And I think that for me, that part resonates. I think the fact that like a lot of people looking back are saying, Taylor's never been someone who's private about her relationships. Her SNL skit from when she was still a country singer, she called out every single boyfriend that she had had in the last like three, four years. She's not someone who's like an inherently private person about her relationships. She writes songs like Dear John. Like it doesn't get more public than that. And so for me, I do think that this is kind of a renaissance moment of Taylor coming back and saying, you know what, I'm proud to be in this relationship and he's proud to be dating me and we're going to be public about it because we're both superstars and there's no real way to hide it anyway. But beyond that, I think the obsession also 
is one of the fan theories that I think is quite popular is there's this idea, and this kind of you know pulls into general pop culture, that you'll date the guy that you think you're going to be with forever, and then you guys will have a horrible breakup, you'll rebound to someone terrible, and then you'll find the love of your life who you marry. <laughs> it's also to me, I'm like, why is she, why, like, she makes money off of, like, you guys being so invested in her relationship. Yeah. That's fine. She can date as much as she wants, but she's doing it also strategically because she makes money off of you guys being so obsessed with her relationship. And I think it was, like, smart of, like, Joe Alwyn to want to keep it private. They do their thing. They figure it out. They were together for however many years. I think that's totally fine. I think that's, like, great. And I think what's the need to publicize it and have all these eyes and opinions in your relationship? Like, I would personally hate that in my relationship. The thing is that people aren't necessarily afraid of the publicity generally that they get from dating Taylor Swift. It's the fact that they know that they're nowhere near as successful and that all of their fame is then and attachments and success are going to be attached to or her. Or maybe they didn't know that there's going to be a bunch of 14, 15 year old girls commenting on their relationship, giving their opinion, shitting on you like as a guy when they don't like know you. And I think that's like not a nice feeling. But I, I would also say that like, I think the reason I'm leaning towards the side of this is not just a PR sense, actually a relationship is because like there are two people who, my, my understanding now, but it's Taylor, uh, Tra- Travis Kelsey is also <laughs> like this as well. Is that like there's no way these two people are gonna ever gonna have a relationship that's not gonna be public? Yeah. Like at least not if find another one that understands what it's to go through like a relationship. And I think in the side where Taylor Swift has bring the uh, the attention to the relationships, uh, then like she's the one who had to like pre- probably prepare the other person the relationship that you're just gonna have, you know, a million people following mm-hmm. you now just because you're dating me. And I think like now there is that like they they can both probably understand this, and that's why I think like there's. A lot of like inter-celebrity dating in general. It's not just because they're yeah, PR stunts, because they understand, they relate to what being a celebrity is, and they're probably similar caliber celebrities in their own spheres. Or maybe Taylor Swift is obviously a bit more popular internationally. Um, but I think, but I think they can probably like this part of the relationship was a given for any of them, and now it's just normal for both of them, and there's not yeah. less tension around that. I think. I think the part that I'm like stressing though is the fact that like it's very like normal for girls who are dating celebrities to be written off as like wags right like they're literally yeah. like, categorized as wags guys are a lot more unwilling to be like this this person's boyfriend this girl's boyfriend this superstar's boyfriend and i think that travis is like very happy to do that and that's been very refreshing for swifties like the thought that he seems perfectly happy being Taylor's boyfriend who like happens to play football it doesn't seem like a characterization that bothers him in any way and i think that's a big part of why swifties are so particularly obsessed with this relationship yeah, and I think that goes to how, like Teo said exactly, he is the top in his field. He is the best, in my opinion, the second best tight end. So he has that maybe point of security because, as I understand, he's not the same type of celebrity as her past boyfriends who were all objectively, you know, less successful than her. She is the most success, one of the most successful artists in the world. Travis Kelsey is one of the most successful football players in the world. Obviously, Taylor's objectively more successful, but he has that self-identity maybe you don't need to put this in but i genuinely feel as a swifty that i'm genuinely interested in watching football now like unironically i started off by watching like clips of travis kelsey then i learned about his and jason's really adorable brother relationship yeah then i learned about their family and then i was like you know what wait they both play for really good teams or like at least you know we're both like playing the finals of the super bowl so i was like okay like i could like watch these two play and now I'm like kind of watching football. And but, I think this is the progression. <laughs> but I, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of things that we just don't care about are because we've never been initiated to them. And this relationship is really good at initiating a lot of people. Like, supposing that football is objectively interesting, <laughs> uh, but people just don't know about it. 
then once you're exposed to it, you're gonna you're you're more likely to to be to be into it. Like I've never been exposed to like anything remotely football culture, but but maybe if something came up that dragged me into the world of football, maybe I would like it too. Should we talk about the heteronormativity of Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift's relationship? Why not? Why does she lose that? And not her like general heteronormative? Because they're such a heteronormative couple. He's the very well. He's the very hyper masculine football player and she's the skinny blonde cheerleader type it appeals to like a very like particular like demographic of people yeah their like relationship and it's a very like uh, heteronormative like relationship ideal i think if you look at them as like without the context of them being celebrities i think that makes sense yeah i think their person their personas are very much that but if you look at them in the context that they're celebrities, then there's obviously the dynamic that like Taylor Swift makes more money than Travis Kelsey. That does go against the like traditional dynamics to some extent. I mean, to a significant extent, actually. Uh, so, so I think like yeah, but we can't treat their relationship outside of the celebrity context that it's in. Mm-hmm. And like, sure, if there were movie characters who weren't celebrities, then they would be relatable to people. I don't know if they right now are like very relatable. I think they are relatable to a certain extent. I mean, to the extent that. There are people who want to play football because of Travis Kelsey. There are some people. I don't know how many. There are people who are evidently in love with Taylor Swift who want maybe want to go into music because of her story. I think, I think that's aspirational. Aspiration. Yeah. Actually, that's a much better word. Aspirational, not relatable. But but I agree with that. My point was just in terms of like, are they relatable in a way that is traditional or like a typical heteronormative relationship? No, heteronormativity aside, I don't find them relatable at all. My life does not look like Taylor Swift's life. But but I'm saying like you were trying to make the point about this being a traditional heteronormative relationship. And while it is like that in many ways, such as its aesthetics, there's a clear power dynamic that is not your typical heteronormative kind, which for that matter could be what is bothering most conservative masculine football fans. And that could be why they're angry about this relationship being blasted everywhere. So yeah, I think while this is a heteronormative relationship in many ways, it isn't like your most typical kind either. So I think a big part of the obsession with Travis and Taylor is the fact that they're this healthy, straight relationship that we don't get to see very often. Like if you actually look into all the fan edits and all the obs- the obsession from Swifties, a lot of the body language that people have been looking at and dissecting, regardless of how ridiculous and you know fandom driven it is, is about the fact that Travis lets her lead when they walk, that he always is holding her hand, switches her hand out with the other hand when she's when she's walking around her, like opens the car door for her even putting his hand on the back of the bodyguard kind of saying like, look, like I can take care of her. I mean, that started off as like a huge funny joke of, you know, Travis is pushing her bodyguard out of the way, but it is kind of emblematic of the fact that we kind of lack these healthy straight relationships in among celebrities that we can look at and idolize. And yes, despite how incredibly straight it is, it is like a good example of straightness. (laughs) I agree that it's a good example of straightness. If something had to be straight, (laughs) I approve of this straightness. But I think that's another conversation that that's just kind of sad that for a lot of girls that that's like the standard is something as basic as opening a door, holding your hand in public or just keeping an eye out. I think that's I think that's a little bit like sad that like young girls like really fantasize about this. And to them, they're like, this is like exactly this. The standard is up yeah. here, ladies. But I think it's really it like, says a lot about the state of, he- of heterosexual relationships. <laughs> well, what about the impact that this can have on younger boys if they're at all aware? like sure maybe this is going to give younger something to dream about but is it also a positive role model for 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 younger boys i I think he really is and i mean i have to say as the i guess counterpart demographic there as a young boy like watching
watch an NFL. They're all. Zach, you're a 21 year old man. You are not a young boy. <laughs> no, but yeah, even as a kid, like there are strikingly few good male role models in the NFL. Yeah. Like I can think of like the biggest superstars growing up. Most of the NFL players who I loved are terrible people. I really loved Michael Vick growing up. He literally fought dogs. He went to prison for dog fighting. (laughs) This is is somebody you look at him and you say, this man is incredible. He fought dogs and he made money off. Zach Ertz is a good man, I think. Zach Ertz is good. He's he's hyper religious, I think. So that's the, I think he's like extremely religious. But him and his wife are a little bit of a power couple. Zach Ertz married to Julia Ertz. Olympic gold medalist with the women's soccer team. Yeah. Very great couple. Yeah, but exactly. He's not high profile. Zach Ertz is a he's a great player. I have him in fantasy a, every year, but player. he's not he's not that kind of superstar status that Travis Kelsey is. Sure. And it's like it's partially a consequence of just how football works, but you can't have kind of any role models who aren't a quarterback who aren't some yeah. wide receiver or tight end. Travis Kelsey has somehow broken that a bit because tight ends typically aren't, it's not a sexy position, but he's made it sexy and he's made it accessible. <laughs> he's nodding along like, yes. I was actually also going to add, I think earlier on in the, in the podcast, someone said that Travis Kelsey is this like, you know, he's this hyper masculine figure. And I do agree. Obviously he's a football player to so like uh, across the average, you know, comparisons, he is hyper masculine. But I think within the NFL, he actually doesn't tend to hold that role. Like, he's considered, you know, he's, like, dancing after his touchdowns in, you know, pretty hilarious ways. I think that he's, like, shown... He's a fashionista. Yeah, he's a fashionista. His, you know, I think that, like, he is kind of the perfect entry for most Swifties to be watching football from because you're entering through the two guys in the NFL who are brothers, are generally pretty great people, and are interested in causes beyond, like, football. Do we think that this relationship might have a positive impact on NFL culture in terms of like diversifying the like availability of non-toxic masculine men? Um, no, I think so. I think Travis Kelsey as a whole has been a good figure in the like I think both Kelsey brothers have been a good figure in the NFL, honestly. I think you know, it starts by those kind of figures, social figures that are, you know, Contrary to the stereotype of like Tom Brady, who's like a very, I think, typical NFL dude, kind of a, I won't get into Tom Brady, but very anti Tom Brady. You know, I think they're both very like genuine good guys. And I think I've, I think already that there's been some diversification and some change in the NFL. Not change, I guess, in the NFL, but some differences of viewpoints and things like that have been integrated. I'm I'm curious about like how like, okay, suppose like all the, the, a lot of Swifties are now into football and they're going to watch it. But if then like football turns out to be this really toxic thing that they don't really, uh, doesn't really appeal to them. Like what's the afterlife of football af- post this relationship? Like if yeah, it's what if they break up. Yeah. What, or what if, what if, you know, Travis Kelsey is not going to be a football player forever, uh, but future fans of pop girl pop music are going to want to, are they going to keep watching football? I think there's like a potential for a temporary cultural shift where more fan the fandom is kind of watered down a little bit with people who are not typical football fans. But I think that like I've seen in other sport fandoms, like there tends to be a lot of backlash when the sport starts to become more progressive. And, you know, a lot of the time it doesn't make sense because the progression that they're making is either like making it safer for players or, you know, making the sport safer overall or more accessible or et cetera. Like I think I'm thinking a lot about F1 because it's like the only other sport I watch, but I think it comes down to 
there, there tends to be a cultural backlash, which protects the structures that put the sport in place. And, you know, with that, those structures comes a lot of misogyny and the yeah. patriarchy. And a lot of that takes a lot more than one cultural moment in time. So, yeah, I don't know that there's going to be like a tangible shift because Taylor Swift is, you know, permeating football. But I do think there's a potential for it culturally to get a little bit better. Yeah. And I think insofar as Travis Kelsey has a couple, he's under contract for three more years, I believe. Let's fact check that. And But he's going to keep playing as long as he can. And so long as he and Taylor Swift don't break up, there's going to be some legs. There, are, there will be some legs to this. There will still be some Swifties, hopefully more, who keep watching the game. And like you kind of said, Allison, it made you want to watch other football, not just Travis Kelsey's game, not just his brother's games, other football. So if 5%, 10%, 20% of the people keep watching, that's a noticeable impact. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of people. Which would make it a very successful PR stunt if that's what it is. And with that, we're going to wrap up this episode. Thank you so much, Annie and Zach, for guesting on this episode of Edgar's Desk. And we'll see you next time. See you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye.